0: I definitely had lots of times being like, is wine meaningful enough as a profession? It's like, I want to have a career where I feel like I give back to the community and I'm doing something that feels fulfilling. Like, am I just doing this because it's all I know?
1: you are listening to Dear Seekers. This is Sasha Shell, and that was Nicole Campbell. She is the co-founder, idea generator, firecracker, and entertainer of Great Witches. You probably have heard about them, but if you haven't, let me tell you about them. It's not possible to actually put Great Witches in a single box. They have a monthly natural wine delivery service, They host the most desirable and whimsical art parties. They consult at private events like birthdays and wedding receptions. They also host educational sections about natural wines. Although they spread their wings far and wide, the core message of what they do is actually quite simple. They make natural wine approachable and available. Having worked in the wine and hospitality industry for years, Nicole has learned a lot about what she loves and what she doesn't about this industry. She loves natural wine, obviously, its producers around the world, the makers behind each bottle. But she gets quite turned off by how pretentious, exclusive, and male-dominated this industry can be. So she and her partner, Questa Open, are here to change that. This conversation was recorded towards the end of last year, Just as when I was so excited to join their wine club to receive some natural wines at my doorstep every month, I find out I was pregnant. (laughs) Oh, well, I was definitely a little bit disappointed, but I promise you I will get on it as soon as I get this baby out of me. Anyway, really hope you enjoyed this conversation. And as always, please leave us a review or comment on Apple Podcast. And if you like us, which I hope you do, please share with all your friends. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, good to go. Amazing. You can get closer oh, to of me. <laughs> be
0: a pleasure. Yeah. An honor.
1: Yeah, I'm so really happy we are doing this right now. Same. <laughs> I was very honored that you asked me. Oh, honor yeah. is definitely mine because I've been watching you guys and doing amazing things. So as I told you before, I really wanted to join one of your parties. Yeah. yeah you it you looks so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me your first party and then we can segue from there. So Krista and
0: I were in New York at this big natural wine fair, Raw, and we're just like really excited about the energy and um, felt really, um, oh my god. (laughs) Inspired. Antrovy the Cat. And the Cat is very excited to have a, a friend here. Um And yeah, I mean, like really just this kind of revolution of natural wine that was really kind of changing the status quo of our industry. And we're like how none of the most exciting parts of what we felt like were happening in our world were being shared with regular people. So we're kind of like, okay, like let's do something. And our first party was a few months later. Like it took a while. We're like, what do we want to do? Like we didn't start at all with like... A business plan or like any idea of it even being a business at all. Just like having something, doing something fun. And then our first party was January 1st, 2017. Mm. We just kind of did most service people work all through the holidays. Like they don't really have a holiday. So we're like, we'll have a kind of like easy, chill, wine night the day after New Year's. Mm -hmm. for Mostly for people in hospitality. And uh, it was in the back garage of Superpoint. We had lots of really amazing people helping us to make it happen. And it kind of just really changed and grew from that first little tiny event.
1: So we will be talking about that. Your personal and professional experience definitely have helped a lot in just putting this event together was your first event. Uh, but besides that, we're going to be tapping into later. What other things that at that point kind of helped you see Maybe this is possible because you mentioned you saw some void in in, in the industry that you wanted to change or improve or bring something, a fresh perspective to. But other than that, anything else that kind of prompted you, okay, we have idea, but now we're actually going to make it happen?
0: I mean, I think that my personality type, like I love thinking of ideas and like just doing lots of wild things and making things happen and... That to me is like a way of expressing creativity. It's like I can't paint, I can't sing, you know, and it's, but it's um, a way of just, um, I think I always had this like kind of just like desire to make stuff, like physical stuff or like, like events in other, in other ways. This can be a really, community building it's not just like you're having a party there can be other parts of it that feel really
1: fulfilling and kind of bring lots of different people together mm-hmm. yeah because I remember in one of the interviews you did mention I don't remember with, with which um, publication you did mention about this company is not just about getting people drunk and then yeah. th- throw a party that is fun that's definitely part of it having fun and then entertain people but also way more than that So it's about conversations, about bringing people together, educate people. So tell me more about that as your creative outlet. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it also came at a point for me
0: where I really like needed to do something because I was, um, I love the wine industry for many and like winemakers and the job that I've been lucky enough to do for, you know, a really long time. But I also just, as I was getting older, as much as I love restaurants, I was like, I can't just... I wanted to do more and to feel like to kind of connect the part of my work that I felt was really meaningful, which is like connecting people to the land and especially the type of wine, like working with natural wine. There's a lot of powerful cultural elements that mimic other cultural, you know, waves that we're seeing in terms of environmentalism, but also just like opening up, whereas, you know conventional wine. It's um, There are a few regions that are really famous in this field of wine. Anyone can kind of achieve a spotlight, whether you're from Napa Valley or from like Slovakia. And that was really felt like important to me to tell those other stories that hadn't been told in kind of traditional in traditional wine. I feel like I'm now I'm off track. What was the original question?
1: The... <laughs> How you use this as your creative outlet to express um, and what other things you're hoping to... Totally. I think like... Other than just throwing a party. Totally.
0: I mean, I think um, one of my favorite parts of Grape Witches is just getting to be like really silly as adults (laughs) and kind of bringing a sense of fun and like a really whimsical element that I think, especially with wine, this field that traditionally is so... Often male dominated, often like extremely white and exclude, like just like excludes a lot of people and also like excludes people because you think you need a lot of knowledge to enter. Um, and we really want to make it super open to everyone because it's like people Mm -hmm. aren't intimidated to go to a food event. And it's really like the same thing. Like you don't need to have a huge knowledge of cheese to like love Mm -hmm. and buy and eat cheese. So yeah, getting to like with the parties, especially like it's um really at the beginning and now it, it's fun to be like struck with an idea, like things that I couldn't do without the community of grape witches. like the boat party is a great example mm-hmm. of just being like, I really want to have a big, fun summer party on a boat. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? And like having no idea if we could do it, <laughs> but just being like, okay, what would be the coolest? Like, what do we want? Like, we want to have like really great food. Um, So like recruiting our friends who are, doing like really cool independent. Last year we had the two women who do their companies, Lasagna Does Lasagna. Mm. I don't know if you've seen them, but they just like make lasagna yep. and they're two incredible, sweet people. Um, and then recruiting our artist friends from around Toronto to do different illustrations and, um, you know, hiring our cool musician friends to, to DJ for us and It's a really cool way to just kind of bring different creative elements to to life. Like we've done a ton of like we've done, we did like a really funny bowling party. Mm. We've done a bunch of much music video dance parties, which have been hilarious to have like the best high school dance party that at least for me, I was like too awkward to really have (laughs) as a high school student. But like now as adults, you can have like a really silly, amazing time at a video dance party. For us, and we also for the people who come to our events, we want we just want them to feel like super fun and mm-hmm. funny, and also there's great wine, and also you can like learn something, and also you can like discover a cool artist you didn't know before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's yeah, something that's really important.
1: Yeah, I love it when you mentioned about the word whimsical. That yeah, oh, it's exactly how I felt. Super whimsical. Yeah, it's almost like you enter this dream world that kind of you can escape from reality. And with good food and wine and everything. So I definitely have to check it out next time. Yes. <laughs> um, so I wonder, now looking back, how did you and Krista meet? And how did you to like, click and decided to do this together? Yeah. How did that story all begin? I
0: actually met Krista probably like eight years ago. I don't even remember the exact. We've tried to figure it out like the time. Both of us were early in our career. She was, uh, she's been a, a sommelier at lots of great restaurants around Toronto. So she was buying for one of those restaurants in Parkdale, Cowbell. Anyone remembers Cowbell? Uh, and I just came to her as a wine rep, like selling wine. And um, we like got along well. And uh but we're never really close friends. And then I moved to Vancouver. She was obviously she stayed here and was working at Grace Restaurants here. And I think during that time, we both we just kind of grew together and grew to really be interested in the same subsection of wine, uh, which is like you know these smaller producers telling more local stories. And when I moved back to Toronto, we kind of just became fast friends. And this business, like it really just. It just kind of happened, like kind of almost as a joke. And then it was just really fun. And the more we started doing things, we're like, well, why don't we try this? But we kind of just added elements really organically that felt
1: like, you know. Do you remember the first conversation about it?
0: Yeah, we were, I mean, the first conversation was extremely late at night. And this is actually like a a funny story that we tell sometimes at events when people ask us, but we need like the right crowd because it's like really like probably like pretty drunk (laughs) late at night. But I was actually staying with a friend in New York and I was literally in bed in my pajamas. It was like 1230. And Krista texted me and she's basically like, you up, like come meet me at this cool wine bar across town. Like I was in the Upper East Side at my friend's apartment. She was in the Lower East Side. And I was like, okay, I'll come, but I have to, I'm staying with you tonight because I'm not going back up here. And yeah, we ended up having like some wine and food with a friend of hers who was an ocean... Uh, lawyer of all things. And I was like, wow, that's so- ocean lawyer. He's an ocean lawyer. And I was like, <laughs> that's amazing. But just, um, kind of talking to him about this subset of wine for me was like, this is so cool that it kind of connected that people in other industries you know, like he was so interested and it was like, he's like, wow, like that's so cool that all these things are happening that I don't know about. And then, um, I went back to Krista's apartment and we just kind of started talking and um, I think that I, I Googled the Instagram or I like checked the Instagram name the next day and I was like, oh, I just, and I was like, look what I just did. I just like made the Instagram. And then like, the day after that, I was like, I just bought the domain. <laughs> but like for just kind of for really just for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't really like everything kind of things developed through many conversations as we were going in terms of like what felt right and what felt like an interesting thing. Both of us were so busy with like super full-time jobs at the time. So it was like, we really just wanted to do things that felt creative outlet and felt like a super fun, rewarding thing. Uh, we didn't want to do anything we didn't, that wasn't really authentic to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long did it take from that kind of jokey conversation <laughs> yeah. to actually, let's sit down and plan this thing? How long did it take to just to, to connect?
0: Honestly, it's it was just kind of a, like even um a really core part of our events now that we love... A lot, and where we've met some of the sweetest people who've kind of come into our life through this is um we did a few parties at the back garage of Super Point, and we were pouring lots of really interesting wine that at the time you couldn't buy by the glass in restaurants. Like now, even the last three years, it's amazing how much the landscape of restaurants has changed, which is amazing. There's so much more diversity, but the time they're really it was hard to find you know, rare grapes or like, you know, different regions by the glass. So we were pouring these things that people didn't know. And as more and more like regular people, not our friends from restaurants, came to events, they're like, tell me about this grape, but it's really loud. And there's like dry ice and it's, I'm like, you know, there's a lineup and I'm just like, just drink it. It's fine. It's good. <laughs> uh, and so from that kind of like feedback of basically like not being able to explain all these super confusing wines, we started doing uh, our education hours where we basically go through, you know, five to seven wines. Sometimes it's a theme. Sometimes it's just like wines from around the world that we love and we'll kind of do essentially a natural wine 101 or a deep dive into a region by tasting wines and telling their their story. And I feel like that even probably more than the parties is where we make our like biggest impact or like change people's mind about what they're drinking mm-hmm. is when we have that like face-to-face experience.
1: So what kind of feedback would you get after hosting a event people come to you and tell you what? Um, I think it's just
0: it's wine part of what makes it so exciting but also what makes it so annoying <laughs> is that it's really <laughs> complicated feeling. yeah it's really there's like so many there are th- literally thousands of grapes there are in, like an incredible diversity of regions and a lot of the most especially now we're getting access to the first time in, in Ontario of a lot of rare regions and grapes that we've never had before. A lot of young winemakers are, you know, doing a lot of experimentation. And that's like all the kind of stuff that we love to talk about, but it's really hard to understand. And also hard to understand, like, one of the pieces of education we do a lot, and like a hot topic in wine, uh, is that, you know, wine is not treated like a food. So there's no ingredient list and there's no nutritional information. And a lot of the wines that you get at the LCBO have a lot of additives and have a lot of sugar. And that is fine. It's kind of like, I'm Sorry, always, even yeah. <laughs>
1: for someone such an outsider. Yeah. Um, I love wine. Yeah. Obviously, I drink wine all the yeah. time. But I have to say I have very zero to yeah. negative knowledge about wine. So even the wine that doesn't have taste anything sweet, you still yeah. have a lot of sugar added.
0: Uh, you can have a lot of wines that people perceive, a lot of like large production wines that people perceive as like smooth, it can actually just be uh sweetness.
1: Mm. But because there's
0: tannin, you can't tell. Uh, and there are up to 60, like six zero legal additives to wine, kind of the more, the larger production, the more additives. It becomes like we often compare it to like, you know, in the same way as like when you buy pizza from the corner store that's frozen or you buy like a fast food meal, you kind of understand like there's there's nothing wrong or evil about that, but you kind of understand what you're putting into your body. Mm -hmm. But with wine, it's easy to be like, oh, I'm just having grapes, obviously, Mm -hmm. especially when large brands, of course, have amazing marketing departments that co-opt the language of smaller farmers. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like, you know, to educate people about how to actually like especially when in the rest of their lives they're when they can trying to you know go to the farmer's market or buy organic produce or support makers that are you know small makers or like you know doing all of these other things in their life that are in line with their values and then they're drinking like costco wine <laughs> um, it's not that you can never drink those wines or that they're yeah there's anything inherently evil about them it's just like it's a corp it's kind of like a grape beverage it's not really like a pure Mm -hmm. and i also feel like there's not a lot of uh, information out there exactly because like you know big companies don't there was like a swell a few years ago of some articles being like there should be ingredients on wine and a few producers who like listed their ingredients uh, because some ingredients are you know a lot more natural than others but yeah, the movement towards uh, natural wine, which is the wines that we work with, it's really a reaction against that commercialized, like, homogenous flavor of a of large production wines that always kind of taste the same, which is a good thing for many producers. Like, it's consistency, but, you know, like, wine is a, it's like a harvest of a certain year, so it should kind of taste different from year to year if it's being made in a Mm-hmm. by a farmer but all that to say so yeah the biggest feedback that we get is people being like oh my god I had no idea yeah uh and Even then, now I feel like
1: I'm getting a lot of information yeah,
0: yeah. I mean it just kind of as a consumer mm-hmm. having the power to make that choice of you know sometimes it's like yeah you want to have like a soft serve ice cream cone from like the truck and you know that that's not like m- m- what like, you know, cream and milk and sugar, you know, that it's like there's weird stuff in it, but it's like fun and who cares? Mm. And it's like, yeah, I just kind of want to give people that power because, of course, natural wines end up being a bit more expensive. So it's like not that you always have to do this because it's it's also a lot about like it's hard to access, kind of like giving people the, the knowledge, helping them understand how to decipher and where to find these wines if they want them, uh, and then just giving them a few bits of information in terms of figuring out their tastes and how to ask for what they want Mm -hmm. in like a restaurant or a wine bar. It's kind of what we do the most that feels like people are really excited to kind of go on that journey. There's really like a huge global community as well, which is kind of a cool thing for us to be a part of that and to meet people from around the world who are also kind of advocating for, you know, proper farming and honest labeling and moving back towards like ancient practices and away from, uh, you know, things that weren't started in a malicious way, but just like, like every other industry that exists, you know, at a certain point they were like commercialized and industrialized and people thought that industrialization was good because it was like more. And then it took, it took a few years for, you know, in the case of farmers to be like, oh, wait these herbicides and pesticides even though they were supposed to be good for the farm and they were sold as like this will be good in fact they're killing my soil and they're ruining you know my life's work which is like these 30 vintages of wine or however many they make and people then being like okay we need a we need to make a, a change and that, that change was it's made a lot of people like this is a very inter interwine it, it makes a lot of people like there's a lot of infighting because people are like, you know, even the terminology, it's like natural wine. well, does this make this other wine unnatural? Mm. And in some cases, the answer is yes. you know, if you're mm. adding artificial, many yeah. artificial colors and and um you're using yeast to create specific flavors versus using indigenous yeast and you're you're really making like a super consistent product by recipe, then like, yeah, maybe that that isn't that's like a great beverage and not a wine. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
1: So now I really want to you to take us all the way back. Yes. <laughs> to your first time, you know, have your love affair how he, oh, it all started because actually I'm going to share my story yeah please uh, when I was 10 my mom had this like party with her friends in the living room they were all drinking wine and then I was like oh my god like <laughs> what is this thing can I have it and then my mom's like okay you have one sip that's Whoa. it I was 10 years old my mom was yeah. really open minded yeah I love it so I had one sip and then I realized it tastes awful that's true and I was like oh my god it's, why you guys are drinking this and that's why I actually because of I tried I didn't like it yeah I never got bit into like a bit drinking during high school as many of my friends would but then I started falling in love with it in my like late 20s or yeah. mid, mid 20s so tell me about your story do you remember the first time you had this love affair with wine
0: I do I mean I am very lucky in that uh, I grew up my dad had one of Toronto's first wine bars when I was growing up so he owned uh the Delisle wine bar which uh, no longer exists. But if I wanted to kind of see him, if anyone, you know, if you own a restaurant, you're always working. Luckily our home was close by. And so I would be in the restaurant a lot. And I have lots of memories of being super annoyed by all of his parties. I was like, why are these adults? (laughs) <laughs> yelling in the living room, like I have a math quiz tomorrow. I was very studious as a child, and then, um, but certainly, like I actually had my first we were on a family trip to Italy for my dad to do like wine stuff for him, but also it was a vacation and uh I was nine, and we were at this winery, and the kind of grandfather. In Italian, like looked at me and like through a translator was like, you know, like little, like why isn't the little girl having anything? And I was like, wine is gross, <laughs> obviously. And he got, he was like, oh no, no, we'll find you something. And he brought a little thimble of like sweet, low alcohol wine for mm-hmm. me to to sip on. But I also just was like, this is gross. <laughs> and it wasn't until many years later that uh, I went to university for something else, and I was kind of in a research lab and uh, kind of about to embark on, you know, doing more school and just was like, "Mm," this kind of nagging feeling like maybe I'll just try wine. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I kind of seen how much joy it had brought my dad and how much travel and how much like it kind of meant to him. And I kind of was getting into it more. I was like, you know, maybe I'll just give it a try before I start like a huge PhD program that's going to like lock me in a room for Mm -hmm. eight years. And so I just spent a year doing internships. Uh, so I spent, you know, like half a year in Bordeaux doing a marketing internship and getting to visit a bunch of wineries and like clean some barrels and pick some grapes. And then six months doing like a really intense harvest, uh, in Australia at a small winery where I got to do like all of the really physical hard, like really understand what it takes to make wine, which is mm. a lot of hard work. Uh, And then I came back, I came back to Toronto and was like, that was it. I was just kind of hooked, hooked from there. And like, just also hooked on um, community of winemakers and like just, and people who love wine are just also, it's so much about hospitality and Mm -hmm. you just get to see so many different cultures and meet so many different people in a way that I would really miss if I wasn't in this field.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So growing up I mean, in that environment with yeah. your dad being this like superpower there. Yeah. I can't imagine how much influence he will have on you. Totally. On loving wine and yes. sort of studying wine. Absolutely. What about also kind of deviate from that feeling? Also feel like now you you don't really want to follow his path, but you want to be your own identity. That was like a huge, I mean, I think that was a huge thing
0: for me where it's like, Loving my dad, and he—he's been so supportive of me, and we'll like fight sometimes because we're so similar. (laughs) Um, but it being really important to me to do to find my own way, even though wine is full of generations of family members, it's like I always when I was selling wine, I was like, this is a fifth generation like establishment, and I use that like as a point of pride. For me, it was like I don't want to just do what my dad did. It was really important to if I was going to be in the same industry. Um, which I spent a long time wrestling with, even though I like loved it. I was like, Oh, but well, I want to do something else. You know, I had to kind of come to terms with that. And then just like really, you know, being able to be proud of his incredible legacy and all and like thankful for all like that, the privilege of that I, that I was able to get from being his daughter and from meeting all of these people and, and having all these opportunities. And then also, you know, take ownership of of what I wanted to do and take a different path and, you know, champion the causes that were really important to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's been cool. He's come to some events and he's like, I don't understand what's happening, but like, this is awesome.
1: (laughs) That's so funny.
0: Yeah. He like doesn't really get it sometimes, but he's like, he just laughs at me and Mm -hmm. um, is very, you know, encouraging and sweet.
1: Yeah. Did you feel like you have to work extra hard just to prove that you are not following his path? hundred percent. I think I'm like different, and then but also inspired by him.
0: Yeah, I think that I definitely have worked super, super hard because I was really, especially when I began. Like I started, you know, selling to restaurants in Toronto when I was like in my early 20s, and I felt so self conscious of being like, especially that time I was like, you know, I'm just like this little girl, this cute little girl, and I just felt like I had to know so much and be so good at my job to be – else I would be like – it would feel awful. And I was very conscious of like wanting to really – you know, I think that's part of – I want to do a good job anyways, like that feels good, but um, definitely it was in my mind and has been and I think has been, yeah, like a good good thing in the long run, but also like it was a struggle and it was hard sometimes. Like it sucks sometimes and sometimes I like wish (laughs) – that I was, like, in an industry where I had no familial connection, but, you know, it's also a really special thing that has brought me closer mm-hmm. to my dad in a way that, like, if I did something else, you know, we, we would have had much less time together, for mm-hmm. sure. And I'm grateful for that.
1: Yeah. Because I the reason I asked that, because I'm also very resonating with um, your story, is because my mom... Um, she passed away when I was 14, but she had like lots of schools and then she was a teacher. Yeah. And 90% of my family members were teacher. So they all wanted me to be a teacher. And then that was already a path they kind of planned for me. Yeah. Um, so for a while trying to understand was that something I want or is something they want me to, to be. Um, so was it a kind of time period, not necessarily about wine that you had this feeling of or have this kind of stuck in this like limbo of, trying to understand who you were and, um, am trying to understand who you thought you ought to be. Yes, definitely.
0: <laughs> I think that there was a lot of times of just like great internal struggle where, you know, by all accounts, I was like, you know, quite happy in my job and doing well, you know, from an outside perspective, but just really wrestling super hard with, you know, I've definitely had lots of times being like, is wine meaningful enough as a profession? It's like, I want to have a career where I feel like I give back to the community and I'm doing something that feels fulfilling. Like, am I just doing this because it's all I know? Like, should I go back to school and... It's always the the easiest. For me, I love school. So I was always like, ah, just to go back to school and like worry about it and after you're done, which, uh, you know, never hurts to go back to school. Mm -hmm. But um, it was a lot of like really hard moments. And I feel like this project really enabled me to take all of the things that I love so much about the wine industry, but also kind of do it on my own terms. And, um, you know, it it. Feels really good now but um you know it was really hard and also hard to not do kind of what my my, I'm not doing what my dad wanted me to do even though I'm in the same industry and that was what did he
1: want you to do um
0: so he ended up after he had the restaurant he started an agency uh like a wine importing agency that I was working for for a long time and thankfully I'm not with him at all (laughs) <laughs> I was just like you know he was never people always ask me that and I was like no he was never my boss I was had this amazing job of you know selling wine to great restaurants in Toronto and then Vancouver and then buying for the agency like buying natural wine which mm-hmm. was like really exciting for me and he just wanted me to kind of take over the agency and it really was not what I wanted to do despite it being a great business and that was a really hard decision but one that
1: what was missing when you were actually working <sighs> in an agency
0: it just um, it is. To his incredible credit, um, it started with just him and his head waitress from the restaurant. And he grew it to be a really successful business with, um, you know, a national business with, uh, you know, still medium sized. But I just, for me, it doesn't suit my personality to be the boss of like a lot of people where your obligation is is to to all of those people, like to them and their families and like to, to run a very... Um, To like make money for them so that they can live in the world, obviously. And I think for me. Your
1: family and everything is on your shoulder. Totally. And
0: I think um, I am also very entrepreneurial, which I'm sure I get from my father, but it felt much more authentic to me to do something. I wanted to have like complete creative freedom and also do something on a much smaller scale that felt that was exactly what I wanted to do. and. If I did that in the agency setting, it wouldn't be fair. It would be inappropriate. And so we've talked a lot about, you know, like I might do a little bit of importing on the side like just for you know, like a grape which imports kind of thing in a very small scale because I actually I love importing. It's really fun, but it would just feel like I was I was doing something that just wasn't authentic to me um, despite it being a great job that many people would love. and that was really hard. But now it's okay. <laughs>
1: When did you pull the trigger? Do you remember, was it a specific day that you decided to do it? or There were it was a few days. It like, like
0: took a while because mm-hmm. it, it was like a, it's a huge, it was really, um, yeah, like a big part of my, a huge part of like my identity and my life. And also it was that, it was like, a, as a young woman, I was, you know, it was a really exciting job, but I was like, I needed to explore myself and who I was away from that because it was really kind of engrossing. So there wasn't any one day but i definitely had like um a saturn returns kind of like season where i was just like ready to burn into the ground like i just like just needed um i think that it was just really obvious that i had to make a change i'm really happy i did
1: mm-hmm. yeah i'm yeah. sure a lot of people who went to parties or happy you did
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's um and it's yeah i mean the cool thing about the events and getting to do like now I haven't had as much time, but also getting to do a bunch more freelance writing and a bunch more like, I love comedy. And so getting to do essentially like wine stand up at some events is really fun for me and getting to explore all of those other things. I feel like, you know, who knows what Grape Witches will become or like what, what will be in, in a few, in five years or 10 years. We probably won't be throwing parties in garages in 10 years, but I feel like that the work I'm doing now will. Be really rewarding and get, enable me to do cool stuff. And then the next opportunity, the next thing will come out of the experiences that I've had from this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm glad you mentioned about you also start do, doing writing and yeah. comedy. That's so yeah. much fun. I love, I love jokes. <laughs> That's definitely a lot of humor in. Yes. Great witches. Um, and then at Steer Seekers, definitely I'm really wanted to champion this idea of like working progress and then we continue to evolve and expand. So you mentioned about that you don't know what's going to happen in 10, 15 years. Yeah. What's the mindset you have that, you know, just led this life kind of, you know, you kind of just evolve along the way. I mean, we're lucky at
0: this point now, it's like a crazy, it kind of doesn't feel real sometimes that we're, because of the events where we've had a lot of amazing opportunities to just do cool stuff, like to do cool activations, like to do kind of like an artist, like we got to um, basically make like an artist bar at the um, Vancouver Art Gallery. And they like got to, they flew us out to do that. And that was so cool. And we've gotten to do like takeover nights at hot dogs and all of these other cool things that have really challenged. And also just like presenting in front of hundreds of people for some of our larger events has really taught me a lot of skills and like brought me out of my comfort zone. And I think with every season we're always like now um, I'm always thinking of more and more ambitious things that kind of challenge me and are, are more like more fun more like silly and yeah getting to just do more and more things I feel like that I just have to believe that that will kind of steer me to what I should be doing and like what feels right so that's kind of what I choose to, <laughs> to believe <laughs> that yeah and then like the, the I just try to when things don't feel right just like not do them again
1: And now you're speaking in front of like so many people. Yeah. Were you like that before? When you were a kid, were you always? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So Krista, if Krista was here, Krista
0: um is so um not quiet, but very soft spoken, and in the beginning was really nervous. And I would get some butterflies too when we were first, even the first parties, like speaking in front of 30 people. I remember being like, Oh my God.
1: I yeah, I can't
0: imagine you, the first event us. you were, you're like,
1: don't feel anything. That might be so. No, issue. That'd, be, that'd
0: be like, I'd be, I'd be psychopathic. Um, <laughs> but now it's like so funny to just be able to, like, not every, I actually, this is something that I now, I would love to find out how to hone this skill, but, um, yeah, like I never get nervous anymore and it's really fun to be in front of a big crowd and feel so comfortable so that I can like really give them the best experience and also it's like really fun to be like to entertain people and I've always loved doing that Um, and I've gotten a lot better at it through this.
1: So you always wanted to entertain people even (laughs) growing up when you were when you were a little kid? Yes I was
0: very silly and I just was like always a little joker and was very mischievous and um, silly,
1: for sure. So you remember you were in, let's
0: say, a, fam- a family oh, setting? Yeah, I was always just like dancing or like, I don't know. I was, um, um, I think particularly like my mom is also very funny and silly. And so especially with her, I was always like just kind of cracking a lot of jokes at the family dinner table, which I still do. It's kind mm-hmm. of like my my role in the family is like joker. And I always loved that. Mm-hmm. And so this has given me a lot more opportunity to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. And what's your biggest fear right now?
0: Oh, just like the business f-
1: crashing and burning.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, um, so yeah, it's like, uh, it is my full-time job and it has been for a while, but we really need to hire someone. Probably really, it's like, we really need to hire a full-time person, but we'll probably start part-time for just to begin. Um, because
1: you're full-time, but does not full-time. Krista's not.
0: She has a really busy other job and we happily, we have a, a bunch of helpers, but we have one woman in particular, Adrienne, who helps me a lot with some of the back-end organizational stuff, which is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of details mm-hmm. <laughs> in throwing. Yeah, I can imagine. Some of our bigger parties is like, oh my god. And also we have this wine club now. That is. But yeah, no, certainly especially as it's very exciting to grow, but it is very also frightening to take on more like risk and yeah, have other people involved and not want to and want to be successful for them and to give them opportunities and to be a good boss and to, you know, all that stuff is definitely really scary. And it's like happening now. So I feel afraid of it, but also like, you know, just got to do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Do you remember when you were little, what was your biggest fear? (sighs) No, I don't know. I think um,
0: I was very driven as a kid. And I think I just wanted to like get into, I was just very concerned about like, getting into good schools and, like, getting good marks, Mm -hmm. which I wish that I was less fearful of. I think that was just, like, a way to exert control over my environment or, like, something. Do you have any siblings? I have an older sister. Mm. Yeah. he was like, the opposite to me uh, in many ways. She was wild and I was very studious. Uh, (laughs) But now you're wild. Now I'm wild. (laughs) And now now we have lots in common. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, no, I think when I was – younger I don't know if I had there was nothing that really I think I was afraid of making the wrong choice for sure which I'm still afraid of but you just gotta do it
1: yeah (laughs) and how much older your sister is than you she's
0: four years older than me okay
1: yeah so she was the one you're looking up to or you more like kind of want to be her or you more like kind of compete with her
0: No, I was trying to not be her.
1: (laughs) She was really, she was getting into a lot of trouble. And I was like, I have to be
0: good because my
1: sister is bad. Mm, Yeah. That's interesting. Yes. (laughs) I know. So it was uh, like, I'm studying here and you're being wild. Because yeah, Yeah. she's going to like not
0: come home sometimes. And I'm going to like get really good grades. It it wasn't a bad coping strategy. But if I were to be a child, I would tell my child to, uh, inner child to have more fun. If I were to do it again. Yeah? Yeah.
1: But I don't. But it was a you know. (laughs) So how are you managing all these like wine club and big events, small events? Um, as you said, you wanted to hire somebody, I can see why. But how how is the operational side going? Because the concept, as I told you before, it's quite new. Yeah. There's like a book club or film club or whatever for a wine club and Mm -hmm. you have to constantly throw party, constantly looking for things, venues, vendors, and then constantly getting people to come involved with it. It's even talking about it give me a little bit anxiety right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I was uh I this at lunch with my friend. I was literally like we were just talking with us cuz she has a really busy job too. And um yeah, like it's really hard. Like I think anyone starting a small business regardless of the field uh also because I care about it so much, so I want everything to be great. And so, you know, it's kind of crazy that um I'm doing all of that back end stuff. And then also like doing the social media and responding to like every email and every DM. And um, Wine Club has been amazing. And it's a really cool way for us to share more with more people. But it's also, yeah, that's like, I, now I'm i a logistics firm <laughs> as well, <laughs> which has been awesome. But yeah, no, next month, um, it's just, it's a learning curve, right? It's like, okay, Not all of these emails about the logistics of delivering to people can go into our regular mailing mailbox. Like we need a special order email and someone can help. Like either I hire someone to just do that or like I do it with them because it is a lot of different things. But also that's fun. Like if I was just doing one thing, I'd be... Yeah. Board, so Because now you have like have many t- so many different hats you can many wear. Many different hats. And then it's like I'll be working all day on many different things and then I'll like go do an event yeah. where I'm like the Joker. <laughs> and Krista
1: is like, you know, the smart one. <laughs> and it's uh it's fun. Um I wanted to ask you about this exam you took. How do you say it? W S E T diploma. Yeah. So you yeah. have the diploma. Yes. I was reading about it. It seems like really hard to get. Very hard to get. So obviously that make you, you know, give you the credibility, authority. So you're not just someone enthusiastic um, into the wine, but you actually is very knowledgeable. So tell me about this diploma.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think back to your last question of um, it felt like something I needed to get, especially because being a woman... But also coming from that, like, you know, having my dad involved in the industry, I really wanted to be super educated myself. And so it was really important to me to get this certification that I I didn't need. It's like, it's really hard. (laughs) Um, It takes a long time to get. And it's just like, it's essentially, there are three levels before it, WSET diploma that you have to do first. And then the diploma itself takes two years of like really intense study and there are kind of six different exams that you have to pass. Oh, my goodness. Um, and the wine one is really, really hard uh, where you have to do like all of these essays and um, like about – they can just ask you anything about the world of wine. So you really have to know everything. Um, and there's also like a – quite a extensive blind tasting portion where you have to like taste 12 wines and uh, like say what they are and say oh my goodness. everything about them. So it was like um, – I've never studied so hard for something in my life – it was really hard. And that's very much like the classical wine world, but I'm so happy that I have that kind of classical education. So that now if I'm focusing on like the wilder fringes of the industry that most excite me, it's nice to have that background of kind of the classics so that 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 Krista also has. Um she 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 kind of went through the Sommelier program. But um yeah, W Set was really intense and uh kind of horrible to do. <laughs> we can do really funny silly whimsical events but then at the core of those events it's like we both have kind of a lot of, mm-hmm. of a lot of book knowledge but also a lot of like lived knowledge and that's really important to me to if we're talking to a lot of people that we're like giving them good yeah. <laughs> true facts the knowledge is a solid yeah that's that's important and so yeah it never hurts to have more more qualifications and i mm-hmm. felt like it helped me as a woman and as a, as a younger woman at that time, I got it a few years ago. It helped me like kind of gain credibility. And just like, if someone came at me, <laughs> I could like come back at them. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: That makes sense. I think the last thing I would like to ask you before we close it up is, um, cause we, we talk about your parties and events yeah. are very whimsical, very yes. creative, we're very dreamy. And also the commerce part, the, the business side is also, a lot of a logistic part that you need attention to. Um so how do you balance the two? I think that's a really hard, like almost like an art to it's really to hard. Practice. I yeah. mean it's really
0: hard. I um to be honest, like the back end stuff is probably where I learned the most. Um because I've always kind of been a really like ideas driven person and having knowing that I needed Especially with like, you know, wine club is a great example because it's like delivery, like something, but like knowing I needed my logistics perfectly, like to be done perfectly, else everything would go awry. Or like party logistics, like just you can't, if a bunch of people are coming and you have a bunch of people relying on you to, also artists who are being there and people who like pay good money to be there, you just really want everything to be like correct. So yeah, no, I don't know how I do. It's hard. It's really hard. (laughs) Um, But it's just, um, just kind of. I usually just make a list in the morning of what I have to get done. And then like, you know, something that maybe if I can work on this other thing. But um, it's um, challenging and definitely the creative moments are like the fun stuff. But it's also there is a satisfaction in doing inventory management well <laughs> really or like you know for wine club like we private order a lot of wine from around the world so i have like a calendar of that's a lot of logistics um, to get the most special stuff yeah i'm looking forward to having someone to help with that side of the business um but it's also i am i i think many people would in business would tell you know i am grateful that i had the experience doing it but i will also be happy to
1: pass some of it away yeah. <laughs> And when you guys started, did you think a lot about financially or was it more just about like, let's have fun and we really want to put my idea out there?
0: Yeah, no, not at all a business, not at all about, you know, and even now it's like we do not run it like we want to be sustainable, which also means, you know, being sustainable financially that like we have to make enough money to like live and invest in the business and all of that stuff. But um, always and still now, like we want to... The point was to have really cool, fun things that had presented a lot of value for what they were and like were accessible to as, – as, as, like accessible as, you know, they could be. So we have lots of free – parties that are free to enter and we always try to have like, you know, we want to have cool cool wine that, that's rare, so that's expensive. We always try to have like a $10 glass as well so that someone who's in their early 20s or whatever who, or who, who has – to someone who doesn't, you know, not everyone wants to spend fifteen dollars in a glass of wine, and we still want those people to feel
1: they're part of the party. welcome
0: and yeah. safe and all that stuff. And we've really kind of done some things backwards, but um, it, I think, it made us a better mm-hmm. company as a result um, because it was really, uh, you know, steered by what felt right and not like a business
1: plan. Right. Right. Yeah. So, are you writing your business plan now? Yeah.
0: Essentially, <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> we will like, it's funny, like we kind of have, I like have,
0: and I, like you know, it's like I understand the business really well mm-hmm. um, and what we're doing, but we like do not have anything written down. But now, especially that I want to hire a full-time person and we would love to like have a physical space people can come to, like a little store that's also an office and a little event space. And um, obviously to do those, to kind of take our business to the next level, which um we really want to do. Uh, well, kind of maintaining really small and maintaining like all of our epics and and all of that stuff. We have to now kind of be a bit more organized, um, which feels scary. But as we talk about fear
1: and fierce. gotta do it,
0: gotta do it. So that's that's like the next few months for me. That's going to be like early twenty twenty. Is kind of making some moves to yeah. It'd be so cool to have. Like I'd love to have a little storefront. So mm.
1: so that is brewing in the back. It's
0: brewing, but yeah, got it. It's got to be the right gotta be right we're not in a rush mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. i'm really looking forward to it yeah Good. that's it um Thanks i so guess okay, that great. all right thank you so much for tuning in i would really appreciate it if you could head to apple podcast to leave us a review or comment you can also follow us on instagram idea seekers that's it for today see you soon until then keep seeking